But your prayers are appreciated. So open your Bible is Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Um, we're going to look at a very practical section of Scripture this morning. Appreciate the good singing. Appreciate, uh, really appreciate the Lord <laughs> uh, and all that He does for us. Uh, just uh, we don't know how blessed we are today. I was uh, as Nathan was reading this morning. You know, you're thinking about uh, these countries that are in war right now and all these things, and here we are able to sit in a comfortable house and worship God together. That's a good feeling this morning, Amen. And uh, we pray for those who can't do that today. We hope that uh, God will be with them where they are and help them and. We're grateful. We know that our day might come one day. Amen. But we may not have these opportunities and privileges. So we take advantage of it while we got it. So I believe the verses that we're going to focus on today, I won't be able to preach hard today. Um, or I, I don't think I'm preach hard, but I won't be able to uh, maybe, maybe bear it quite as long as I have sometimes in the past. But we'll see. Sometimes the Lord will bless. I told Shasta on the way here, I said over the years looking back, over throughout the years that been preaching and doing these things, um, I can only count maybe one or two times that I've been so sick that I couldn't stand. God's always given me the strength to be able to. And I'm grateful for that. I'm very, very grateful. Um, all right, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to back up a little bit and put it all in context. I want to read from verses 21 to the end of the chapter. And uh, I know we've already spent a few weeks looking through verses 19 through 24 in depth. Um, but we cannot separate the next verses, 25 through 34, from those. So, honestly, it would do us all well. I was thinking about this. It would do, do us well to go back, maybe get home this evening, and you got a few minutes, and you don't have to run anywhere or do anything. Uh, maybe sit down and read all the way back from chapter 5 all the way to where we are in chapter 6, all the way through chapter 6. Um, and just kind of read it slow and careful and turn the distractions off, and maybe turn the TV off. It won't take you five minutes to read through that. But just read and and uh, and see if maybe as you read it, if you're learning, and uh, if it's saying something different to you now than what it maybe used to say, uh, that would be good. But for time's sake this morning, let's begin at verse 19, and we'll go through verse 34. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, would he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, or is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning, God. We pray, Lord, that you use that word to minister to our hearts, God, the very things that we need to hear today, God. Lord, help us to be uh, bold in our assessment of ourselves, God. Help us to not shy away from the truth, but God, to hear and to listen, and God, to receive this word, Lord, and that it might take root in us, God. Give us the spirit of wisdom, Lord, this morning, and understanding, Father, as we listen, God, uh, enlighten our hearts and minds, and God, we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity to be together this morning, and to be together centered around your word, with your spirit present, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, if you look there, you'll see verse 25 begins with the word, therefore. And that means that gives me a little liberty to go back to what Jesus was saying in light of what was said before, right? So therefore means let's back up and see what it's there for. So I'll use that liberty to take a moment to go back and try to remind you that when we looked at verses 19 through 21, we saw that Jesus was dealing with our hearts. And we had to ask ourselves some difficult questions. I hope some of you remember those questions, but it's okay if you don't. I'll read them to you. We asked when we looked at those verses, we said, what are the priorities of our life? What are the real priorities? What are we really seeking? What drives the decisions that we make? These are questions we ask ourselves as we looked at verses 19 through 21. What matters the most to us? What is it that we're really living for? What are the priorities of my life? What has my heart? And see, without trying to be overly repetitive, I know we talked about this a little last week, we saw that Jesus presented us at that time with two treasures. There was the earthly treasure and the heavenly treasure. And he told us very plain, he said, now where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, right? Amen. And so through that, we were reminded that if we're not very, very careful, we'll waste our life in pursuit of the things of this world on earthly treasures that don't last, that fade away. Those things ultimately end up being meaningless. And then we looked at verses 22 through 24. And in those verses, Jesus was still dealing with our hearts, as he is today, the focus hasn't changed. And, and, and this time he presented us not just with two treasures, but two masters. Yeah. Two things that could control our hearts. You see, he said it was God or mammon. And I believe he set before us a choice. We talked about that choice last week. Which one of these things will we serve? You remember that word mammon, what it stood for, right? Riches, wealth. Material possessions, mammon as the things of this world. And he was very explicit. <coughs> he said, no one, 
No matter how intelligent, no matter how strong, no matter how skilled, no one can serve them both. Right? Yeah. It's one or the other. Amen? <laughs> but that's the choice that we all have. Who will be the Lord of our life? Who will we serve? Will we serve God? Or will we serve the things of this world? He told us, he said, make sure your eye is single or good. Stay single focused. You can't be focused on both at the same time. Now listen, it's very certain this morning. I'm being a little teachy this morning. But it's very certain that there are a lot of people who profess to be Christians and they have their hearts focused on the things of this world. Amen? Amen? They're in full pursuit of the wrong treasures. They're serving the wrong master. They're enslaved to the patterns of this world, to the things of this world. And I want you to know this morning, I hope you realize that it is possible. It is possible. I believe we spoke about Lot a few Sundays back. And Lot was a great example of someone who tried to be close to God and close to the world. Paul gives an example in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says this, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, he says, you're still not able, for you are still carnal. Amen? Amen. And this is what he says. He says, for where, uh, he said, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? As if to say there's an expectation of us to go beyond being mere men. Right? There's an expectation here that we're to behave in a different way. James recognized, it's not just, it's not just Jesus, that would be enough, it's not just Paul. James recognized them. We've read these scriptures. He calls them spiritual adulterers and adulteresses. Christians who pursue friendship with the world. He said they're desperately trying to, to keep up with the pace and the priorities of this world. And, and, and they, they make their decisions based on feelings and not on scripture. They're proud. They're not humble. Their personal agenda is more important than God's word or God's mission. This is all very possible. It's all very po it's possible for you to be in here this morning. Maybe I could say it this way. You can be a member of a solid church that you can hear biblical preaching and teaching every single week. You could, you could be surrounded by other believers and your heart not be changed. Just like Jesus warned in the parable of the sower. Now I'm speaking to Christians this morning. In Matthew chapter 13, listen to what he said. He said, there are some that receive seed among the thorns. These are they that hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And they become unfruitful. See, you could be surrounded by other believers whose hearts are set on the things of God, who are seeking the heavenly treasures, whose, whose Christ is their Lord, they're fully surrendered, but you yourself still have a divided heart. Yeah. 
See, there are people that tell themselves that they want to serve God. They convince themselves that that's what they want to do, but their heart is still firmly rooted in the love of the things of this world. Just like in that parable, you could say you could receive the good seed. You could listen to the God's word. You could hear the preaching of God's word, and, and, and yet not produce any fruit. There's there's no change. That's a very real possibility. You can be a carnal Christian. You you, you can be a Christian who lives too close to the world. That's that's actually the very condition of so many people today. There, there are so many of us today. Now, I'm not excluding myself. Uh, at times, I can I fall into the same traps. But, th but there are so many today who are busy laying up treasures on the earth. They're trying to serve two masters, even though the Scripture says, our Lord says, you can't do it. They're trying to live just like Lot lived. They read about Lot and they say, I can't believe Lot did that. And they go home and live the same life. That Lot lived. They want to be close to the world but still hanging on to God. They're like some of those believers in Corinth. They're yet carnal. Amen. They're living like worldly men, mere men. Now you might hear this this morning I, I, by the power of God, not by anything that our church does or that I do, but by just by the goodness and grace of God, you think to yourself, He's talking about me. If that's true, it may be that the Holy Spirit is at work in you this morning. And I would beg you to listen to Him and to follow His voice. Because what Jesus has presented to us in these verses that we've studied is that there's only two ways to live your life. You can live your life as a friend of the world, laying up earthly treasures, serving mammon, or you can live your life as a friend of God, laying up heavenly treasures and serving Him. And that's the only two options. And you cannot do both. You can't. Mm, so what will you choose? Here's what I love. As we begin to look at verse 25, I love that the Lord loves us enough to tell us the right choice. This is what He says. This is what the Lord says we should do. Given the fact that you cannot serve two masters, he says, therefore, don't worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink nor about your body, what you'll put on it, life is more than these things. Now, I don't want to take anything out of context this morning. Obviously, Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't worry about food, don't worry about drink and clothing. But remember, they lived in a little bit different time than we do. We don't worry about food. We've got pantries full of it, grocery stores full of it. So we don't, we don't, it doesn't ring the same way to us as it did to them. We don't have to worry about what kind of clothes we wear. Most of us have closets full of clothes that we don't even ever wear. But we do have other things that we are worried about. And I want you to see the overarching point here. You see, worry, what, I, what Jesus is saying here is that worry 
is the outcome of a life lived for the world. This is what comes of living life for the things of this world. Everyday worrying. Some of the younger uh, guys and girls in here this morning, you may be in bondage to this kind of thinking. The world wants you to have anxiety. They want you to worry. Constantly asking yourself, do I look the way that I'm supposed to look? Do people find me attractive? Will they like me? Am I popular enough? What happens if I don't make the, the squad here, the team? Or, or, or what happens if I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend like everybody else does? Or what if I don't get to drive a nice car like my friends do? I won't be as popular. Do I have enough friends? And you start making decisions based on these anxieties. And you start thinking to yourself, you'll say, well, to get a boyfriend or to get a girlfriend or to be popular, I'll have to do what everybody else is doing. I'll have to drive a certain kind of car or I'll have to look a certain way. I can't, I can't just look the way I look. I've got to figure out a, a different way. I've got to look like everybody else. I've got to be willing to do certain things. I've got to have a certain kind of reputation, right? So, and I don't mean to be overly graphic this morning, but but maybe maybe that's just, you know I've got to, I've got to sleep around. Yeah. And so what you do is you compromise on what God says is right and good for you because you are worried, and you're worried because you're living for the wrong master. You're living for the world. I mean, I mean, I'm here to tell you this morning uh, that that Christ can wipe all the, in, in Christ all that can be gone, can vanish away. You say that's good, preacher. This is what the young people need to hear. I got news for you. This is what the adults need to hear. There are adults in the same bondage this morning as what we're talking about. Am I successful enough? Do I make enough money? Is my house big enough? Are our cars nice enough? Am I going to get the next promotion? Or is somebody going to beat me out of it? Am, am I aging well? Do people still find me attractive? Are my clothes still trendy? Maybe I need Botox. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm getting wrinkles. I, I don't know what to do. My kids, are they going to be popular? Are they going to be the, the, the homecoming king and queen? Are they going to do this? If everybody's buying this thing, maybe I should buy this thing. Everybody's watching this show. My goodness, i got to watch this show too. i got to keep up with what's going on. Worry, worry, worry. All the time. Stressed all the time. You have little temporary spurts of happiness, but it's like it's a, a, a flash of lightning. It's there, happy one minute, next minute mad, next minute frustrated, next minute disappointed, next minute discouraged, depressed, anxious the next. That's the way of the world. Yeah. That's exactly if that's the if that describes your life. If it's happy one minute, mad the next, happy one minute, uh, uh, sad the next, depressed the next, frustrated the next, whatever that is, that's ex listen. The world is doing that to you. That's what's what's happening. And all that noise that's going on all around you, and all the hustle and bustle of trying to keep up with what everybody says you're supposed to keep up with and be like and look like and do. Jesus says to his disciples, 
They steal away. And he said, how about this? Don't worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. There's more to life than all this the stuff, all the stuff around us. There's a better way. There's a simpler life. There's a way to experience true joy, a way of peace and contentment. And so many are missing it. Jesus says, stop worrying about the foolish things that don't matter. It doesn't matter if you look like everyone else says you're supposed to look. It doesn't matter if you're popular or not. I, I, I wish that every kid in school could understand that popularity means nothing. As soon as school's over, you don't even see them jokers no more. It doesn't matter. Stop worrying about things that don't matter. Adults, it doesn't matter if you live in a great big house or a little tiny house. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your car is brand new or if it's old. If it's running, if it's safe, you're blessed. If you've got a big fancy title at work or you just got a, you just you don't have no title at all. That doesn't matter. Focus on what does matter. Focus on living a life that pleases God. Focus on walking in the Spirit where there is peace and joy and contentment. Focus on obeying the Lord. Focus on fellowship with God and with His Son Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. Those are the things to focus on. Spend your days instead of worrying about everything that you could possibly think to worry about, count your blessings. Be grateful for the things that you have. I should say this too. There are all kinds of legitimate things that we worry about. All kinds of legitimate things that are that sometimes we're fearful may happen. Not all of the worries that we have are superficial. There's sickness, tragedies, wars. All kinds of other things that bring about real stress in our life. I was thinking about as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about all the things going on in the world. All the, the there's war in Israel, war in Ukraine, there's division and hatred, the economy's terrible, the price of everything's gotten so high, people are struggling. I'm sure you've seen the same thing I've seen. You can stand in line at the grocery store, and if you stay there long enough, there'll be somebody that has to put things back. People are struggling. There are legitimate concerns uh, that, that we could easily begin to worry about. It's not just all superficial things. I, I mean, think about what Jesus is saying to His disciples. He says to them, don't even worry about these things that you need to survive. Food, water, clothing. Those aren't superficial. Those are important things. But look down there in verse 30. Because I want you to see this. I think it's important. Jesus associates worry. Look here. He said, talking about all this worry. Look at that last few, few words. Oh, you of little faith. So Jesus begins to associate our worry with the amount of faith that we have. And I think that's at the heart of this passage. 
Jesus is saying this to them. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. It's, it, it, this is not just a command. It's not just like he says, don't worry, and that's it. This is a command not to worry, but it, it goes more like this. I think if you look at the thrust, he's saying, don't worry about your life. Trust me. Trust me. And he gives two analogies. He said there's the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. Yet they're fed by the Father. Now the bird don't just stay in the nest with his mouth open. The bird goes out and actually does things. This is, none of this is an excuse to be lazy. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Just making sure you know. But also, they, they, the birds don't store up. They, can't, uh, they don't have a, enough uh, opportunity to do that. They depend on God to give them what they need each and every day. Such as we should be. The lilies of the field, they don't toll or spin. In other words, they don't, they're not making their own leaves and their own flowers, but yet God clothes them. He uses those two simple analogies. And you know what he's saying in all that? He's saying, you can trust me. I take care of those things, I'll take care of you. So I'm asking you this morning, how much do you trust God with your life? Do you really believe the things that you read in this book? Do you really believe that God is able to do all things? Do you really believe that God cares for you? Look back up there in verse 26. See what he says there? Speaking of those birds, and he says, Are you not of more value than they? Don't you know that you're worth more than them? And if God cares for them, will God not care for you? Maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning. That the, the love that God has for us. Just, just look with me, bear with me for a second in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. I just want you to hear this. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loves us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace... You have been saved. And He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, is the gift of God. Amen. That great love that saved us it goes with us every day. That same great love, that same Savior provides for us every day. Protects us every day. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And no matter what happens in our lives, uh, we're assured by the Spirit of God that nothing can separate us from His love. Romans chapter 8, right? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we know the love of God because God was willing to send Christ to die in our place. It's been revealed to us and that while we were yet sinners... 
Christ died for us. He saved us. He washed us according to His own blood. He redeemed and restored us. And you can rest assured, if He did all of those things for us, He'll also care for us. He'll also provide for us and protect us. I'm thankful that even He Himself said, He said, I'm, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'll send the helper. I'll send the comforter to you. He doesn't stop caring for us after we're saved and say, now good luck, make it to the end. He stays right with us every step of the way. Amen. Every step of the way, He's there. When the disciples were out on the boat and the storms were raging around them, yeah, He looked like He was away from them. He was... He stayed behind and went to the mountain to pray. And, 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 the, and the storm was raging there, no doubt. And their faith was probably a little weak, no doubt. But listen, when they got in trouble, he was, he was right there. He came walking on the waves. He came right out to them. He doesn't leave us, guys. 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, cast all your care upon him. He cares for you. Isn't that such a sweet, simple little verse? He cares for you. When you're overwhelmed, when you're anxious, when you're stressed to the max, when you're sick, when you're in the hospital, when your kids are sick, when trials come, when heartaches come, when grief comes, when we lose somebody we love, when we have hurt deep down inside of us, when people hurt us, when we make mistakes, when we sin and fall short of the glory of God, none of that changes that. He cares for you. Cast your cares upon Him. We can rest assured in the steadfast love and faithfulness of our God. Here's what the Lord wants us to do. I'm going to try to get to the point. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. First thing the Lord wants us to do, trust in Him. Trust in Him. Such a simple little verse that most of you have memorized many, many times over. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Now listen, I'm going to read on for you. Because I don't want you to miss the rest. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Not serve them, honor Him with them. Yeah, and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen. Now I'll be the first to tell you. The first to tell you. The Lord may have different plans for you in your life than you do. He may want something very different than what you think you want. And that can be hard. But you've got to trust Him. Trust Him with all your heart. Many years ago, uh, when I was uh, very young, when I was in high school, and I was uh, first starting college, um, I did not think that I would be a pastor. And neither did anybody else that knew me. <laughs> but God had a plan for me. 
If I would just trust him. If I would just trust. I think about people like Elizabeth Elliot. She married her husband, Jim. They started a little family. They had a daughter. And Jim felt called to Ecuador to do missions work. And he went to this village this, in the jungles of Ecuador and he was killed. When he tried to make contact with a tribe that had never heard the gospel, they ran a spear through him and killed him. I'm sure that wasn't the plan for her life. She didn't think, well, I'm going to marry this guy and in a couple of years he'll be dead. And then I'll be able to go on and, and do other things. She probably didn't expect what God would do next either. You see, just, just not even two years later, God called her to go back to that same tribe. The very people that killed her husband. And she took her three-year-old daughter with her. They walked to the jungle with her daughter on her back. And when she got there, she reached that group. They, they welcomed her in. She stayed there and ministered to them and taught them the gospel. The very same people that killed her husband. And this is what she said. I'm going to give you a quote from Elizabeth Elliot. I think I put it on the screen, Thomas, too. She said, the will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the Son of God or you capitulate to the principle which governs the rest of the world. It's as simple as that. You see, God had a different plan for Elizabeth Elliot than what Elizabeth Elliot had. A different plan. She learned. She learned. By this course of action, I read, she lived until 2015. She, she was in her late 80s, I believe. And in the last years of her life, she got dementia. And when she first was diagnosed with dementia and things started to go downhill, they did an interview with her and she said this. She said, I know I'm going to forget all these things that happened. I'll forget it. She said, but that's okay. The same God who was with me through all that will be with me when I have dementia. And this is his plan. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. That's trust. So when I say trust in the Lord, that's what I mean. I mean trust in the Lord. That, that, that's, that's, you put your life in His hands. You desire His will above your own. You, your family's life, you, you're willing to put your family's life in His hands. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you trust God with your children? Think about that. This is what it means to deny yourself and follow Him. Amen. We preach that all the time. But this is what it looks like when it's lived out. See, it's trusting the Lord. It's, it's, it's faith. Full surrender to God. Lord, take my life. Let it be for Your glory. Your glory. That's how you get free from the anxiety of this world. You see, we talk a lot about uh, come out from among them and be a separate people. Separation from the world. We read and we talk about that. Uh, but I want you to understand that when we say that, we're not talking about getting away and going and hiding in the woods together. That's not it. The world seeks earthly treasure. The world serves mammon. 
The world is overcome by anxiety and worries. That's what that word anxiety means, worry. But Jesus says in John 16, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. I've overcome all that. In other words, you can be separate from all of that. You can, instead of seeking the earthly treasures, you can seek heavenly treasures. Instead of serving mammon, now you can serve God. Instead of living uh, with worry about how you're going to keep up and how you're going to have all this stuff and how, you know, what am I going to do? I've got to make sure that I can take care of this one. I've got to take care of that. I've got to get this. I've got to get that. You can let all that go. You can live free from all of that and say, I don't exactly know how everything's going to work out in my life or my kids' lives or anybody else's life, but I know the God who is at work in their life and I trust Him. Yeah. And that releases you from a lot of worry. And then he says this. If you can get there, you can get here. Look down at verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. For the person that says they trust God, this is where the rubber meets the road. You see, if you're, if, I, I mean this in the best way. If you trust Him, your priorities are going to reflect that. Amen? In this entire section of Scripture that we've been studying, Jesus has been, lack of a better term, He's been exposing our heart and its priorities. Now I believe the Lord is doing this in love, and I believe He says this in love, but it's clear what He's saying to His disciples. He's saying to them in no uncertain terms, Get your priorities together. Get it straight. Get it right. I'm going to tell you. The things that you worry about reveal your priorities. Your treasures. They, it reveals, ultimately it reveals your heart. Remember we asked the question, we said, what has your heart if you want to know what has your heart, look at what you're anxious about. Look at what you're worried about. That's what has you. We don't worry about things that we don't care about. If I told you tomorrow, if I said it looks like a meteor is going to hit Mars, somebody would say, I can care less about that. I'm not worried about Mars. I don't live on Mars. It means nothing to me. I would say that to you. I'd say, I don't care. Tell me one's going to hit earth. I'm going to get real nervous. Right? I care about that. What I worry about reveals what my priorities are. It reveals what's important to me. And many, 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 many professing Christians today are busy and overwhelmed and overcome because they're so worried about earthly things. The spiritual things, not so much. There's a lot of Christians today, when you talk to them, they're not really worried about knowing God. They're fine with what little they know about Him right now. They're not worried about obeying God. After all, there's grace. They're not really worried about representing God in holiness. They don't see that as their responsibility. That's the preacher's job. They're not worried about spreading the gospel. They're not really worried about people going to hell for eternity. 
They're not really worried about their brothers and sisters in Christ and the burdens that they're carrying and the difficulties that they're facing. They're not really worried about those things. They're not worried about the church and the work and the condition and all those things that's going on there. No, they're, they're busy. They're worried about making sure that they get to do all the things they want to do before they die. They're worried about making sure that they, they keep their wealth up. They're worried about their careers. They're worried about their 401k. They're worried about their looks. They're worried about all kinds of other things except the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is the least of their concern. And they push it to the back burner and it shows. You know, you know what? Your life reflects the truth. The decisions you make. You can know within just a few minutes generally. Now I'm, 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 I'm going to say it in general terms. Sit down and talk to somebody. 30 minutes. And a lot of people today who profess to be Christians in a 30 minute conversation, you'll never hear Christ brought up at all. Nothing about him. Why that, but but they'll talk about everything else. They can talk to you two hours about politics. They can talk to you two hours about what's going on over here, what's going on over there, what's who said this, what happened at the last meeting at the, you know, at whatever club they're in or organization they're in. They can tell you all about those things. But you start talking about the Lord and you'll see the conversation kind of falls flat and they just walk away eventually. Can't talk about what you don't know. Now I ask you, how often is your mind and heart and time occupied with the things of the kingdom of God versus the things of this world. Can you honestly say today, honestly say, I'm not preaching this hard. I'm not trying to be. I'm asking you, can you honestly say today in your heart that you seek first above everything else the kingdom of God? That that's your top priority. That means more to you, the kingdom of God. Making Christ known Spreading the gospel. Seeing people saved. Living a life that reflects uh, God's holiness and beauty. Can you honestly say in your life that that is your number one priority? If it's not, that's the problem. It's, this, is, this is not just supposed to be... <coughs> Advice for you when you when your time frees up when you retire. Mm -hmm. This is how you live life as a Christian. This is about living life in the kingdom. And listen, I believe this with all my heart, and I'm about finished up. You all look like you're about ready for me to finish up. <laughs> I believe it with all my heart. When you get your priorities right, if we and I'm talking about me too, not not just you. I'm saying this to me. When we start really trusting God. He takes care of the rest. I've seen that evidenced in my life over and over. There, are, there have been times in my life where I had my priorities straight and I've seen God move in mighty ways, miraculous ways. I've had peace 
and joy and contentment. He's taken care of me. He's taken care of my needs, taken care of my family. He's done wonderful things. And I'm thankful that we have a faithful God. But I'm also telling you today that there have been times in my life when I've let my priorities slip and I got focused on the wrong things, earthly things. I've gotten off track. And when I do, what generally happens behind that is I'm distracted, I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, I'm anxious, and I'm overwhelmed. Because that's what you get when you serve man. That's what you get. That's what it all leads to at the end. So if that's your life today, I, I'm trying to show you what I think the Lord was showing His disciples, which is it's okay to let go of that and trust Him. It's okay to let go of all that and trust Him. This is not just a message for the older or the younger. It's for everybody. And I pray that we'll make the right choice today. Because it's really up to us. We can, we can stay carnal and worldly. And I'm not pointing fingers at you and saying you're carnal and worldly. I'm just saying the church in general. We can stay carnal and worldly. We can, we can chase things that don't really matter. And, and we can do that. We can come to God, we can come to church on Sunday and raise our hands and kind of feel okay about things and kind of go on. Or, or, we can sell out, surrender, trust God, seek the kingdom first and watch God do things that you never dreamed possible. That you never thought that God would do in your life. Maybe different than what you planned, but it would be what He wants as we stand together this morning. Here's the decisions that we made. I'm asking you as, you, as you stand, and I'm asking each one of you to begin to consider these things. The decisions that you make, if you just look at those things, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you act, the things that you talk about, the things that you prioritize, does it align with the fact that you're seeking first the kingdom of God. If not, my invitation to you is to come bow down at the altar and to pray and say, Lord, I need help with my priorities. I want to trust you more. I want to go all in. That's my invitation this morning to you. If anybody wants to come, now's the time. Sometimes our priorities, even as believers, our priorities get all mixed up. All mixed up. We need God to recenter us. So I'm thankful for the things that the Lord speaks to us in His Word to help us get recentered. Recentered. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. You're welcome to stand. You can be seated and pray. Uh, whatever's most comfortable to you, but we're going to pray together. Heavenly Father.